it was this way that I began to um, remembering the, making these contrasts in my head, and of course sitting there in the museums of Europe and the archives of BBC, hearing the whole folk music of the world, I began to realize that the formative element in the whole thing was the the inner spirit of the culture expressing itself through a certain kind of vocalizing technique, which then determined the kinds of tunes that you could use and all the rest of it, you see. And uh, with these ideas in mind and with the backing of the BBC, where it sort of become my base by then, uh, I went to Italy. They they kind of they paid for part of the trip, so this one wasn't entirely on my own. And I had there the help of a very skillful, highly trained uh, Italian musicologist who didn't have the facility to, to go out and record. And I just lugged that magna cord through Italy from Sicily right up to the Alps. We did the whole of the peninsula in about eight months. And uh, there... Well, Italy is the most highly stratified uh, 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 provincial culture in the whole West. See, it's all mountains, broken up into little valleys, and... Uh, uh, no connecting links mm -hmm. here, then, uh, geographically nor musically, either, is it? Very few. And uh, it hasn't been a nation, you see, until now, virtually. For 2,000 years, it's been divided up in little provincial areas, and... There's another important thing about Italy. The culture of Italy was formed, was stemmed, the high culture of Italy stemmed right out of the classic days of Rome and Greece. What went on outside of those cultivated little uh, Renaissance towns that produced Michelangelo and Dante didn't interest the people of the towns at all. So the peasants were left to carry on in their old ways. And uh, this attitude has persisted until virtually today. So that you find out in the country the most, well, Italy is a museum of antiquities, like nothing else in and Western contrasts. Europe. That's right. Mm. And uh, so there, I had a chance to uh, explore what style can do to music to the in a, in a living laboratory, and it was the most exciting two years of my life. Uh, Where do we start in Italy? Well, I. I don't want to start playing where I started. I started in the South, and we've heard some of that music. I'd like to start you with what I call the European singing style at its very peak. This is on the docks in Genoa with Longshoreman's Chorus. Now, Genoa was the province that was had a high culture when the Italots, who were the ancestors of the Romans, came into Italy. This is a northwestern... Italy, mountainous. They had the whole of the Po Valley then, these Ligurians, and then they were pressed back toward the port of Genoa, when you still find them there today. And they still sing in the most complicated uh, choral style in the Western world, except in the Caucasus. They, they, they have, this chorus here has seven parts going. It's slightly trained, but it's a folk tradition. The top voice is called La Donna. He's trained in that to be a, that castrato voice from time he's a kid. They pick him, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he has to work on that. This man is a streetcar conductor. Uh, then in Genoa, in contrast to the, most of the rest of the singers are basses. They have three sections of basses, if you can imagine. Did you ever hear of anything like three that? Three sections. Yeah, in the s southern Italy, by contrast, you can't find a bass. You can search the streets. There's no such thing as a bass singer. In Genoa, all basses. And uh, then there's uh, another one of the things you'll hear is la guitarra, a man who d strums the guitar with his voice. Mm. 
and the style is called Tralalero, and it, I think it's really one of the great things of folk music. In the North Italy. Yeah. Sounds as though the whole village, the whole village was there. <laughs> well, actually, this is on the docks, and I'm, you'll, you'll certainly go to Genoa someday, and oh. there's one little bar there, and write it down in your notebook. It's called the bar T-U-N-G-H-I. Uh, it's right down on the waterfront. and T-U-N-G-H-I, Tunghai? Tungi, Bar Tungi. And every afternoon from about 5.30 on, the longshoremen are dropping in there and having their their half liter of white wine, and there's a singing fest that goes on until about, oh, 10, with the choruses changing all the time. People are coming, basses are replacing basses and tenors, tenors. It's one of the great music spots of the whole world. And this is, uh, this, you can't imagine the scorn with which the good citizens of Genoa <laughs> regard this music. Of course, these people, every once in a while, they strike the port of Genoa and it's tied up like Harry Bridges ties up the West Coast. I mean, these are rough people. <laughs> but they're so marvelous. And, uh, well, they, they, they just took me in and the recording machine became a kind of a fixture of the Bartungi for a while. Of course, partly because everybody had just spat on them. And I think this is a possibly the finest single thing in Italy. Sort of relay singing, then, you say. Yeah. Uh, those who leave to go to work or go home are replaced That's by others right. continues. That's then. right. This goes on all evening, every single night. Wonderful, whiny. I mean, real, the real thing. You know, you seldom hit it really going live, beautiful, like that. Well, now, to give you an idea of some of the other tremendous things, uh, I, when I went to uh, Italy, I... As I crossed the board, I said as a joke, I'm going to find, private joke to myself, I'm going to find the origins of opera and the Commedia dell'arte. And uh, seven months later, I had them both, I think. Um, I found uh, back in the mountains of Emilia, which is sort of halfway between Genoa and Florence, um, a kind of singing they called uh, called Maggio. Uh, way up at the top of the mountains, they don't know anything else but Maggio. And this is in a folk version of our bel canto style. The singer sings, stands up with his shoulders back, and sings right from the belly. The voice rises like a. Uh, the, the whole idea is to make the throat into a into a horn. And uh, there they they have folk operas. That's all they have. And they have folk operas in the style of the first operas of, uh, of of Florence, and Florence is where opera began. And I think this is the give hit is the place the where this is the place where the the folk style that became bel canto developed. Uh, now, uh, what you're going to hear is a maggio a serenata, a song for first of May when the young men go from house to house with their guitars and call the girls out, comparing them to flowers and stars. <laughs> well, a feeling comes across, I think. The boy there says, uh, I come before you as the ambassador of your lover. You see, the, the, the actual lover wouldn't, wouldn't do the singing. He would take another boy. He's the emissary. He's a Cyrano. Yeah, magnificent donzella, magnifica donzella. You know, language right out of the days of Dante and a whole attitude like that. I, do, do you see the style thing? The full-throated, full-chested... Well, this, uh, didn't you hear this sort of hard, crackling uh, voice as different from that kind of uh, liquid voice that you heard there for, uh, for uh, Genoa? Well, that's the, that's the way people sing in central Italy. It's 
in this uh, declamatory poetic style. Central is a line of poets. Ran into an old man there who uh, who um, uh, could improvise on any subject in uh, ottava ottava rima, an eight-lined complex verse of the kind that uh, Ariosto used, and he was just a shepherd. Uh, he told me one time that he had a contest with with a with a with a fellow poet, another shepherd, and uh, lasted all night. And the subject was picked as follows: he he the singer, the, my friend, was uh, was the earth and the sea, and the other uh, singer represented the the uh, sky and the stars, and they each praised themselves, which was the more uh, important. And uh, the, the, the contest of wit and uh, natural philosophy went on, oh, I think, just as if uh, Lucretius was writing or singing <laughs> oh, uh, for two or three days and nights until finally it came to a draw. <laughs> beyond Calypso here. Yeah. Contest of philosophy well, as well. Uh, <clears throat> move on down to the south of Italy now. Uh, the hills have folded many, uh, many little uh, groups of people in, 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 who've, who've invaded, everybody who's invaded Italy you can find clumps of. Arabs, Moors, uh, Bulgarians, Lombards. Up in the north, for instance, there's a little village I went to where... Uh, about 15% uh, of the words are Gaelic, and the girls wear plaid petticoats. This represents uh, yeah, an old Gaelic enclave from God knows how far back. So they had a mixture of all these cultures, but as we go, e each time it changes, the further south right. we go. Well, this is from the Albanians of Calabria now, and their whole group of Albanian villages. They speak uh, uh, 15th century Albanian dialect, and uh, they have full folk culture, which is from the Middle Ages there. This is a serenade, uh, and here you'll s hear this uh, for the first time, the Slavic, uh, big, deep Slavic style that you find in many... This is Calabria, then, we are. Yeah. But it's not typical of southern, uh, southern Italy. It's one of the uh, musical enclaves, one of the lost tribes there in southern Italy. Uh, this is... Uh, a serenade that happens at night, and the words say, O shining girl, as the sun melts the mountain snow, you melt my heart. You melted my flesh, my love, and left me only bones. I bring you a jeweled ring of words. Like a partridge hidden in the grass, love, you have the eyes of a serpent. As you pointed out, Al, this seems to be the one exception to the rule. You were mm -hmm. speaking of the harshness the further south you went of the That's style right. of singing. Mm -hmm. This you described as the exception to this. Uh, That's right, because they... They have this old uh, Slavic tradition of singing with, with a certain amount of richness and openness in their voices. Uh, actually, I, I can't tell you too much about the Albanian material because I didn't do this myself. This was a, these albums for Columbia that you're hearing this from, and uh, maybe you ought to mention that, Studs. Well, uh, this represents a collaboration with the Italian Folk Song Archive. I think, Alan, why, why, why don't we pause when we point out this is the a Columbia album, a World Library of Folk and Primitive Music. This is one of uh, this is Southern Italy and the islands, and you've done Northern Italy and the islands. You and and conjunction with Diego Carpatella. And the uh, the National Folk Song Archive at the Academia Santa Cecilia. See, this was a an official project, and uh, the whole thing was very carefully planned, and so that in these two albums, I think this is the first time that in an album uh, the folk music of a country has been 
thoroughly covered from every point of view. Everything is here, and uh, uh, the advice of all the experts in the field are combined to make this thing. How many of these albums of Italy are there? there? Well, there are two albums in this series uh, on Columbia. At the moment, I'm combining uh, uh, the rest of my tapes into uh, 11 albums for Westminster so that the, uh, the whole collection will be published. At the moment, the Columbia albums are available. Yeah. They are mm. in the, in the well, uh, let's go on now to uh, the place that everybody knows and loves the best in Italian music. That's Naples. Here's uh, New Year at Capri with uh, castanets and uh, a band and uh, gay dancers and streamers and uh, Neapolitan excitement. But one thing back of this, in this, by the time you get out, a little bit outside of Naples, in all the orchestras you find all sorts of, of North African in- instruments. Scrapers, rattlers, sh- shakers. I mean, the Moors, He's the musically Moorish speaking, influence. just left yesterday, although it was about, uh, <laughs> it was in, what was the year, 800? No, 800? Something like that. Fantastic. About a thousand years ago. The exactly. influence still remains. Yeah. In the words of W.C. Handy, we come back to melody. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, uh, of course, Naples uh, was the uh, cruel queen of the South. Uh, you know, the title of uh, the great uh, documentary novel of Italy, Christ Stopped at Eboli, uh, means that Christ, as he proceeded south of Naples, stopped in a little town about 50 miles further and didn't dare go any further into this black, demon-ridden, starvation-haunted country. And uh, here you'll hear from Lucania, which is the most uh, terrifying area possibly in Western Europe, where the people live in holes in the ground, uh, a sample of this singing, which I suspect uh, goes back, uh, well, maybe into Roman times. Now, uh, you know, the Romans uh, burnt this country flat, because the southern Italians didn't accept the Romans. They fought them and fought them for about 300 years. So finally the Romans, in conquering, just uh, flattened the country and enslaved them, and they have only walked out of slavery since World War II, since they've got a government which is slightly friendly. They have, so they have something now. But this is the voice of Lucania, old and wild with melancholy and anger. Here in Sicily, you seem to complete the cycle that began in Spain and Andalusia. All the way around, it was sort of a circle you made, and that style that you described as a strangulated, almost flamenco style of singing, mm-hmm. heard now in Sicily, that was begun. And you hear the Spain. same way, kind of singing in North Africa, Egypt, Persia, India. All it's it's Oriental, the Oriental way of singing. Very high, feminine, strangulated voice. Lots long melodies with loops and loops of jeweled notes piled on top. Now, uh, one final thing from Italy, and this represents a sort of um, big discovery of modern musicology, I think. In the central part of Sardinia, which, as you know, is just south of Corsica, the high mountains, uh, people in the high mountains, have never been conquered by anybody, nor by the Phoenicians, nor by the Egyptians, nor by the... Romans, nor by the French, the Spanish, and they don't admit that they're part of modern Italy. They have to keep the towns packed with police. They're all shepherds. They live, uh, they're primitive, uh, well, uh, they don't hold the land in common. 
and uh, the villages raid each other, just like uh, villages raided each other in the days of primitive Europe. And these people have a completely different way of singing. They stand with their arms around each other's shoulder and harmonize. These, this, this represents the old Europe, pre-Oriental Europe. They sing in a style of harmony which is pre-church, pre-sophisticated. Uh, uh, one of the very many proofs that we have today that uh, harmony preceded uh, uh, that harmony is a folk item, a primitive European folk item. Uh, this is called uh, Sutenoria Balu, and this castrati voice has been put on top as the leader, one sign of modern influence, but most of the singers here are basses. Um, <laughs> a typical verse of one of their songs, these defiant uh, 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 proletarians in the mountains, says, uh, the artisans built the villas, the cities, the roads, the bridges. It wasn't the Christ, the lords, nor the counts who worked all through the ages. It's because of the workers that every building and town have gas and electricity plants, <laughs> water systems and drinking fountains, musical concerts, mandolins, cinemas, theaters, bars, restaurants, suites and liquors, boulevards, <laughs> public gardens, cigars, cigarettes and matches, festival fairs, racing cars, both in the present and in the future. All this is the mind work and hand work of the artisan. Free this Tom Mooney. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You see, these people, although they are still living with the blood feud, uh, uh, they, uh, they, vote, uh, they vote in a very modern way. <laughs> and com this, is the, this is a modern song of the kind you're going to hear now. From here the simulation of vacuum musical instruments here, yeah. simulation of guitars and strings. And so you've covered the whole boot here, mm. and... Uh, couple of the islands and well this is just one more step in the in the process uh, the, the long project of making a musical map of, of, of world song I think when it's done we'll know a lot more about people than we ever have and is the moral thus far Alan that the style the musical style in each of the cases all the areas let alone countries all of the yeah. areas in the countries the style reflects the very nature of the way they make their living too? Well, I think it's more of the way they relate to each other uh, at a personal level. It has more to do with the relationship uh, between men and women with the patterns of courtship marriage and how children are treated than with uh, ways of making a living, although that's, that's a that is, of course, what affects the ways of uh, the relating between men and women. Uh, so it's, I, I've sort of given up the the direct economic uh, approach to folk song. I, I think that economics are reflected in folk song through uh, emotional patterns. And, uh, well, uh, maybe it's the other way around. I've gotten so, uh, uh, I've become so impressed by the extraordinary persistence of these habits of singing, ways of vocalizing, styles of, of music that, uh, it seems to me there may be aesthetic factors operating, indicated by folk songs, that are as old as uh, economic patterns or older. I don't know. Well, the matter of human relationship itself, then. Yeah. Between uh, people. And so we come to, so far you've, you've had uh, Spain, cities, provinces, Italy, mm. uh, the sophisticated, the more primitive, uh, the islands. Uh, what about uh, uh, some, a Slavic country? Well, I've just, uh, I'm very proud of the last album in my Columbia series. Uh, it's, it's number 17, 
and uh, when I'm going to get to number 40, I don't know. But this, this album was actually assembled in Bulgaria. I think it represents the first publication from uh, an eastern country in recent times. They have a, a tremendous folk song collecting and archiving activity in Bulgaria. And an English friend of mine named A.L. Lloyd, who's a great expert in folk music, went there and uh, put this together for me in Bulgaria. The reason for that is that it's very difficult to simply, uh, for, for people to judge what, uh, which, uh, which songs out of a group of recordings will be interesting to people in another country. Uh, the ones that we would pick to send to, uh, uh, say, Moscow, would probably not be the ones out of a group of equally interesting songs that would uh, catch the ima musical imaginations of, of Muscovites. And so I found it's usually better to have somebody from the West to work on these uh, exotic albums. Not that the thing has changed at all, but just uh, slightly different samples are picked. Well, here's Bulgaria with its uh, contemporary orchestras of uh, peasants from all over the country. This is a modern folk orchestra playing in Sofia, I believe, with bagpipes, uh, all sorts of uh, instrumental uh, stringed instruments. It's uh, the state folk dance ensemble, consisting of two gadolkas, two kavals, two gaithas, and two tamburas and a drum. This, then, is, make a great, is a sophisticated Bulgarian music, if no, it's from Sofia. No, no, no. this represents, uh, this, this is their nearest equivalent, say, to a hillbilly. Oh, I see. Or, or bluegrass music. This would be, uh, then, our Nashville, perhaps. Well, uh, but not quite the same, because here uh, the whole thing is controlled by very, very purest folk song standards. All the members of this orchestra are the best folk players from the remote villages of Bulgaria who've been gathered together and, and given a chance to develop their own kind of modern orchestra out of the materials of their folk culture. Nobody tells them what to do, they decide. Hmm? This is a uh, typical Bulgarian folk dance. And so it's with a fast horror here, from the narrative battle of the fast horror, in your covering Bulgaria, capturing the various mm -hmm. styles and, and I suppose the various attitudes and the, and the people of the different regions. That's okay, we have some audience in the background, which is quite all right. <laughs> but then what, what, in leaving Bulgaria, you uh, have completed what of your project? Well, this is uh, album number 18 out of 40. So there are 32 more, uh, 20, 22, 22 more. more to go. Uh, I suppose that this uh, series won't be wound up for a number of years. And uh, maybe never. Uh, but the point has been made that uh, you can, on one LP, give a picture of the great variety and, uh, and beauty of the folk song patterns of one one big area and uh, there's so many many companies now publishing these records I'm delighted myself because I think that the LP and the publication of, of all this exotic music is by far the most important musical development of the 20th century uh, outweighing everything that composers have written everything that the jazz boys have done absolutely everything else because for the first time uh, human beings are getting to hear each other sing, and this is going to change all music. It makes all these experiments with uh, electronic instruments uh, look like child's play. Alan, if, if I 
Before we come back to you and America, if I may make a personal point, each time, I think uh, throughout, at least my following your life and our, our personal friendship has extended for some 15 years, each time you have uh, met a challenge, you always, you seek a challenge and you meet that challenge. You left America at the time when you felt a bit jaded, not so much that you felt that something was flat and flaccid. Mm. And so you went to Europe for 10 years, did this field work, uh, the collation, the seeking out, the connection of style and human relationships. And now we know uh, this work that you've done, this pioneer work with Columbia Records and in Europe and uh, smaller recording companies here in America. You know, now it's being picked up by other companies, which you say is to the good, of course. What then is the new challenge now that you're back? What have you found here? You've returned after 10 years, and mm -hmm. what do you find? Well, I found that uh, the little uh, tiny uh, literary, a uh, proper, uh, cultivated folk song revival that was going when I left with three or four singers uh, has turned into a national youth movement. It's marvelous. There are tens and tens of thousands of young people that can play uh, guitar and banjo and who think American folk music is the most important thing in in our uh, culture, which I <laughs> I entirely agree with them. You see, until until we learn how to handle this material uh, and it's a natural part of us and we think nothing of it we won't we can't possibly go on to to make a mature grown-up sophisticated big culture we've been stuck on these points uh, that folk song make I mean, the folk songs make the are sort of a sketch of our national neuroses our national emotional difficulties our national pre pre almost adolescent predilections and uh, the young people have said doggone it we're gonna find out what we and our folks really are preoccupied about it's coming out of their fingers out of their throats and uh, in addition to that I think the, the the new development in popular music is tremendous and healthy uh, rock and roll the best of it uh, Hillbilly, the best of it. Gospel, Rock and roll because of, of the vitality in it in contrast to cafe songs. <clears throat> yeah, and the simplicity of it. And the African complexity of the rhythms and uh, the marvelous release of the singing style. Now, these people can sing up a storm. It doesn't matter anymore what side of the, this old stupid uh, segregation line they come from. Negroes sing like whites, whites sing like Negroes. You can't tell anymore. It's America that's singing so now. Elvis Presley uh, pays tribute to his teachers, Big Boy Crudup and that's Big right. Bill to some extent. I think he's had more to do with, uh, as much to do with uh, with bringing about integration as the NAACP in a, in a, in a way, in a culture way. And uh, I think this, I think that the young people are expressing themselves musically. They've taken the musical music business over. It's not a hack routine thing anymore. It expresses them. And, the, and, and then yours is, yours is your, a personal answer to the uh, various Cassandras who speak of the, of the end of pop music in America with these terrible lyrics and uh, terrible monotony of rock and roll tunes. The kids have taken it, some of it's kid stuff, as it should be. Next year it'll be better. Ten years from now it'll be superb. It's interesting that a number one is certainly one of the top numbers of the hit parade today is the Battle of New Orleans, which leads to a man named, uh, Phoenix about a man named Jimmy Driftwood and what he represents. Yeah. He's a bard. He, he's, he's the man who, or he's the descendant of the man who wrote Jesse James and 
Sam Bass and Whoopi Tyre will get along little doggies and home on the range. Only, I think Jimmy's considerably more talented than any of those people. <laughs> he's decided that he's going to make a song about all the big historical heroes of America. He's going to write America's um, folk bardic poetry. I think he's very well on his way. This Battle of New Orleans is just one song of hundreds that he's written. And uh, <clears throat> he has the privilege of, uh, the American privileges that the young Bulgarian singers had in Bulgaria. He has at his disposal a, a, an amusement industry that is crazy for him. He can do anything he wants to now. And uh, he's just as Arkansas as they are from their province in Bulgaria. He represents the salt, the essence, the, the uh, vitality of his region. And this is something you can't get away from. I've, after Europe, I've decided that culture grows in small places among small groups of people. It has to represent what a human being can't feel over continents. Something regional rather than universal. Neighborhood would be a better neighborhood. Weapon. I think our world is going to end up in a as a series again a series of of small friendly neighborhoods. Maybe we can get rid of these stupid uh, nations that we have now that never did anybody any good except the big shots. Well, yours is the reverse approach to one world. <laughs> in a sense, and yet it speaks for the same thing, really. The thing is, variety and freedom for self-expression of all the little human groups in the world, that's what folklore is about. The folklorist is the defender of, of uh, the right of everybody to express themselves. And uh, this is just as important in song as it is in voting, in dance as it is in, in uh, electing somebody to political office. Uh, we've overlooked this, you know. We've said, oh, well, the only important thing is to get everybody to vote and get every Maybe next, some people have said, to get everybody enough to eat. The third freedom is to get all the different human tribes on an actually equal status so far as self-expression is concerned. Main each maintaining his own uniqueness. That's right. In style. If we don't do that, um, we'll have a gray world. A very gray world. It's coming quick if we don't uh, watch out, I think. Here are you then, Alan. You seek to perform too, to express yourself you know, as a writer, <clears throat> as a collector. And may we mention, Alan, before you sing, the uh, Rainbow <clears throat> Sign, most recent work. It's a documentary, really, a two-part <clears throat> documentary. Uh, Rainbow Sign of Dual Sloan Pierce, in which you used a tape recorder as well as your own style. Yeah. It's an attempt to make an American style by by being a little bit more literal and using the, the all the details of folk speech, the things that you can't get out in a notebook. And actually, the reason I came back home it was because I'm a writer as well as a collector, and I wanted to get my foot back in my own on my own land and find out what's happening to my own culture, to my own language. I was beginning to run a little dry, beginning to feel a little vague. You're a writer, you know what I mean a little uprooted. I'm going to spend the next nine months working on books and uh, and try to uh, find myself again as an American writer. I, I became a little too cosmopolitan. Some of that's good, but uh, too much of it's awfully unhealthy. And uh, so I'm sort of turning my back on Big Town in the middle of July and going back to my own native Heath 
which is somewhere in between Memphis, uh, Tennessee, and Austin, Texas, and stomp up and down there <laughs> and see what I can find. Alan, you've given us of your thoughts and of uh, a lot of your collections and a good deal of your <clears throat> life and feeling. It is now about 20 after 3 in the morning. We're seated here. The rain is pelting against the window, and you have a guitar in your hand. Express yourself. I think I'll sing you my favorite uh, Texas folk song, a song that I recorded when I was just a kid from a wonderful uh, Texas folk singer, dead now, long ago, named Ironhead. It's, uh, it's a gentle song. It suits 3.20 in the morning. Uh, it's the Texan uh, approach to John Henry. You know, Texas, John Henry wasn't big enough for Texas. He's not sung about there. Texans feel a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, sorry for John Henry. Uh, <clears throat> it's a railroad song, actually. And like all the railroad work songs, it's, it's tender, and gentle, ironic, surrealistic. Get your learning. Please tell it to me on the Gulf and Colorado, partner in the Santa Fe. Alan Lomax, where'd you get your learning? Where'd you get your challenges? And I think, Alan, aside from offering excerpts of the various uh, music of the various peoples of Spain, of prisons, of Italy, of Bulgaria, of yourself, you've given us a pretty good portrait, self-portrait you've painted. We start in the beginning by saying, a man of uh, limited curiosities, seeking challenges, what next, well, we'll see. Works to write, things to do, to listen to, to discover once again, I suppose. Discover might be the best way to describe you, Alan. You've contributed so much to music and to understanding. Thank you very much.